Welcome to Just for Keeps, the podcast all about goalkeepers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Just for Keeps, the podcast all about goalkeepers. I am your host, Carter Hockman, and joining me this week is current UC Berkeley women's soccer goalkeeper, Angelina Anderson. Thanks for coming on, Angelina. Hi, Carter. Thanks for having me on. Totally. So the first question we, we ask right away is what made you want to become a goalkeeper? What drew you to the position originally? It's actually a little bit of an interesting story. Um, I started out playing soccer, I want to say when I was seven, um, started out as a center back, you know, holding it down back there. And I was always on the second team. Um, it was called the silver A team, not the gold team. I was on the second team. And the gold team needed a goalkeeper to go down with them to surf cup. And um, I was always tall. I played basketball. So the, the gold team coach was like, Hey, you want to, you want to try out goalkeeper and you could come down to surf cup with us. So I was like, Oh yeah, I want, I want to go to surf cup. I'll try it out. So then I hopped in goal and I guess they must have seen something in me um, that they liked and I, you know, it kind of found me and it stuck. Um, but that that first tournament that I went down to Surf Cup, I'll never forget the first goal I got scored on. Uh, we would have it would have been like the only game we won when we were down there. We were playing against a team from Hawaii and I got nutmegged and we lost the game. So <laughs> That is how my goalkeeping career started. And ever since then, you know, it's been an upward trajectory, I'd like to think. But yeah, it kind of found me, actually. (laughs) Ever since then, you've been trying to avenge that first goal. Yes, yes. And I will never forget it. (laughs) It's so funny. I mean, did you did you grow up in a soccer family or was it just one of those things where your parents just had you try on a bunch of different sports for size and soccer or just happened to be one of them? Yeah, I did not grow up in a soccer family, but I, I, my, both my parents played um, college sports. My dad played football at the University of Iowa and my mom ran track in college um, and they were both bodybuilders and fitness competitors. So there was definitely um, an athletic component, but my mom and dad, I think when I was younger, they were just... I, I was in gymnastics, I was a dancer, I was a horseback rider, um, you know, I just was trying everything under the sun, and then I think one day some mom in the community was like, hey, Mrs. Anderson, you should, uh, you should have Angelina try soccer, and she's like, what's soccer, and then just, yeah, I guess I, I hopped in there, and the shoe fit, and that's, that's how I got into it, but I played basketball for a long time, too, which I think, um, I think the basketball skill set has translated a lot over to my goalkeeping. That's something you do hear pretty often uh, amongst goalkeepers who you know played a bunch of other sports is that basketball tends to be the skill set that's the most transferable, yeah. which unfortunately for me, I tried out for my middle school basketball team all three years and did not make the team all three <laughs> years. So that was where my basketball experience began and ended. <laughs> Um, and I'll, it was short-lived and I'll never live it down either. Um, <laughs> I'll always have a personal vendetta against it, but <laughs> this isn't my story. So, um, you, I mean, growing up in California, you know, as well as I do at, at this point, especially it has a very ingrained soccer culture. Mm-hmm. Um, who were some of your earlier influences in soccer, whether it be goalkeeper specific or just in soccer in general? Ooh, well, I think, um, you know, large scale, um definitely hope hope solo like i had posters of her in my room oh she so did the, i she was the best to ever do it as i was growing up you know um and she was just a badass uh but then in my community um a another pack 12 another pack 12 girl oh yeah 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 um and then another pack 12 girl in my community her name's kaylee collins she's a goalkeeper we played at the same high school same club Mustang growing up um and then we ended up playing against each other in the Pac-12 she played at USC and now she's with the Orlando Pride and I just remember like being a freshman and she was a senior on the varsity team and when I made varsity I played under her and I just always I just I would look at her like 
wide-eyed like oh my god I want to be like Kaylee Collins one day and then it was just so cool you know that we were able to be rivals in college and maybe maybe someday later on too that's so funny that that that's sort of your situation I mean even that reminds me of of us not it's not too similar but it, it reminded me of I had a high school rival for two years um and then we ended up being college teammates for three years oh yeah that's awesome um and he's he's one of the one of the better guys i know in in, in soccer and so that's really funny that you mentioned that but back to the story <laughs> here i mean we've seen the rise of uh, in coverage of women's soccer rightfully skyrocket over the last 20 or so years i mean but do you remember what it was like growing up as a kid i mean did that influence you did that or drive you at all and does it continue to drive you today Um, I feel like I've definitely had a mindset shift about all that as I've gotten older, just because I don't think I really understood it all, you know, as a kid or was necessarily thinking about it. But it is, it's really cool seeing the shift happen in the women's soccer community now. Um, And it's, it's specifically cool, because in a way, I feel like just as all the generations that have come before me are, you know, such a big reason this is all happening. And in a way, I'm kind of like, well, maybe I'm kind of in that realm, too. Like, there's people that are going to come after me. And I even see it happening a little bit within my community. Um, You know, like, girls looking up to me and girls wanting to train with me over the summer or like, parents will reach out and be like hey like my daughter just thinks you're amazing blah blah blah. you're such an inspiration like that's just really cool you know how it gets translated like that um from generation to generation and so it's it's a cool feeling think like thinking that maybe I have some influence on the youngins coming after me (laughs) you absolutely do especially at the at the platform that you're on right now I mean and it's interesting back I mean towards the development side goalkeeper specifically as a kid you often see being put in as the goalkeeper during a game almost almost as a punishment like you're being forced to stand there and do nothing Uh (laughs) I mean how do you think we need to change that narrative because I think that deters a lot of people from even getting into arguably one of the most important positions on the pitch oh yeah totally I think um I mean I know when we're when we're young they kind of just do the rotation where they're like, all right, let's try this kid out. Let's try this kid out. Let's just, nobody wants to play keeper. Let's just get them in there. Um, And I think there kind of needs to be a mindset shift about it being like something that's respected more or like seen as really a cool thing. Like, wow, look at you. You're getting this opportunity to play a completely different position that requires an extremely different set of skills, a completely different mindset. Um, And it's kind of impressive if you can, if you can go from playing on the field and then hopping goal and figure it all out. You know, I actually have an interesting story. It's um, not, not from my developmental years, but here at Cal, uh, we had a little bit of a goalkeeper situation um in in our covid season where there were only two goalkeepers me and another girl named amanda amanda broke her wrist and i was like barely hanging on by a thread and so it was just me you know about to go any minute and so my coach brought us all in one practice this is at cal and he's like hey, does anybody have any prior goalkeeping experience? Like, this is not a joke. <laughs> and one, a few girls raised their hand, like, yeah, I played when I was little, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, well, who's courageous enough to, to try it? Then, like, a few more girls raised their hand. He's like, all right, we're going to have goalkeeper tryouts. <laughs> and That's we awesome. had goalkeeper tryouts. And one girl named Elle, who was a field player her whole life, um, just – incredible athlete one of those girls that can just do anything you know she could go throw a baseball or she could swim however long like just a total athlete and she got in there and was a natural and she transitioned into a goalkeeper her senior year in college so yeah like kind of viewing it like that um like as something really 
I don't know, really cool, impressive, um, a new experience. And then, you know, at the end of the day, like anything, if it's not for you, if it doesn't fit, like, hey, we tried it. Let's move on. I love that. I mean, it also, I mean, even on a smaller scale for those kids who are listening, who are just trying to get on their gold team. I mean, hey, give it a shot and you might be able to, you might find your passion right there. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, another big moment for for goalkeepers in our lives, at, at least for those of us who played multiple sports and had love for multiple sports, was the moment we decided we needed to leave those other sports behind just to mm-hmm. focus on soccer. I mean, when did when did that happen for you? That was right before I went into my freshman year of high school because in California, soccer and basketball are the same season in high school interesting yeah so I had to choose um which one I was going to play in high school and it was a really hard decision um I felt like I was really like getting getting into my groove with basketball I actually went to the high school I went to originally because they had such a storied basketball program um but I had to make the decision uh it seemed like I mean, there was no way I was going to quit club soccer. So I decided let's just go full bore here and we're just going to dive into soccer. And um, yeah, I, I I had to make the decision, but I'll never forget. My dad was a real intense, like, you know, he was my first coach, super intense sports guy. Now he's like my biggest fan, which is awesome. But I'll never forget when I told him, I was like, yeah, dad, like, got it I got I I can't play basketball anymore he was so mad (laughs) and yeah and now look where we are but I I I miss basketball sometimes I really do oh I was the same way with baseball and it's so funny I you know I mean it's like in even in college and in high school you have your senior day and uh I never even had I never had a a last game for my mom to say goodbye and so our, our running joke is that I'm going to join a like a Sunday night uh, soft pitch uh, softball <laughs> league and then have a senior night with my mom and do the flowers and walk off the yeah. field <laughs> so she can have that last moment. So maybe there's an idea for you with you and your dad. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that would be awesome, actually. It's smart, right? Go shoot some hoops. <laughs> yeah, just just a Tuesday night league, you know, just a couple. Oh gosh, and then do fun. the flowers, the music, the ceremony. That would be fun. That's a good idea. You can you can you can take that one home. <laughs> I mean, at what age did you start to first train with a goalkeeper coach, and and what age, I guess, do you recommend goalkeepers start looking for goalkeeper coaches? I so I believe I transitioned into goalkeeping um, when I was twelve. I want to say maybe a little younger. Um, and it's interesting. My first private goalkeeper coach was actually my current college coach Corey Callahan she's a natty champ uh with Portland played with Megan Rapino, just superstar um, oh, she's good yeah she's you know she's decent um but I yeah I think I started when I was around 12 I was super nervous to meet her had no idea what it meant to be a goalkeeper <laughs> um and I think something that made training with Corey so special was like the connection we had you know like I think having a a good coach that you feel supported and challenged by um you know in a way that makes training enjoyable is really important for young people I mean it's important as you continue to to play and develop but I think that was a really really big piece of me like enjoying that beginning process and I would say as far as what age I would recommend um I mean I think I think as soon as you kind of know that you're gonna be transitioning to a goalkeeper full-time um because I know like when we're like I said earlier when we're young everyone's kind of rotating in and out of that keeper spot so I I don't think there's a point to necessarily jump into private training um when when you're just rotating in and out but 
definitely when you kind of know um, that you might be that you might be sticking in the position for a little while. But on the other hand, I think it's super important that goalkeepers continue getting like field player training and playing with their feet for a, like forever. I think that's super important. All, all, all three perfect points. And I mean, it's something that I actually talked about on my last episode with, with John McCarthy, who's, who's one of the goalkeepers at LAFC. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, we, we, we really agreed. And I think you'll agree as well that if you find a coach, you have to be able to get along with that coach. And like, if you, if you have a coach that, you know, is working you and working you and working you, but you don't get along or they don't really support you and they're just in it for the money, you're not going to want to work for that coach. Yeah. And you're not going to want to, and you're not going to ultimately end up developing to a potential that you could reach had you found a supportive coach. Yeah, totally. Like, I think it's all about the balance of like, yes, you want a highly trained, technical, tactical, all that in a goalkeeper coach to really develop your skill set, but also somebody who like you can trust and you can actually enjoy the training session. Who's also going to push you. Like it seems, it seems like a tough combination to find, but when you do, I really think that makes the world of a difference. Oh, they're, they're out there. I can fully attest. <laughs> and I'm going to give a shout out to my, my old goalkeeper coach, Zach Abduglass, another fellow guest on the podcast and just a wonderful person. But oh. When did you start to notice you'd truly fallen in love with a position? Because that's something that I feel like a lot of people don't realize is we absolutely love being goalkeepers. I mean, I don't I don't know about you, but I don't see nearly a similar style of passion or even camaraderie from, say, strikers or wingbacks or holding mids. I mean, when did you realize, I, you know, man, I love doing this? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree I think how could you do what we do without without loving it right and without having that passion for it um you know that's an interesting that's an interesting question I don't know that there was a moment um that I was like yeah this is what I want this is I love this um I think that kind of slowly came with just the repetition of this is who I am kind of thing um but I would say that I grew so much more confident and comfortable and excited about my role as a goalkeeper once I started with the national team. So like sophomore year of high school. Um, And don't get me wrong at first national going into camps was brutal and it was a challenge, um, you know, to kind of find your people and, you know, find your role on the team and all that. But I think that was when I really kind of had this insane, like, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. This is who I am. Um, And I'm, I'm doing it at a pretty high level now and I'm making amazing friends and yeah, I don't know. I think it all kind of just came together for me when I started really seeing myself as a valuable part of the team of the U17 women's national team. Um, and I really just took took on the goalkeeper role and ran with it from there. Oh, and we'll we'll get to your your national team career in a minute here. But it's so funny that you say that. Like I didn't realize. For me, it was it was a moment where I thought I was going to have a, the position essentially taken away from me when I realized that. Oh wow! When I realized I wasn't going to be the starter my senior year of high school. When I realized, oh, you know, I had fallen in love. I had essentially, you know, I was starting every game as a junior by default because the starter had gotten injured. Um, And then all of a sudden he came back and I was going to have it taken away from me. I didn't consider soccer or goalkeeping to be the defining piece of my life until I realized, oh, I'm about to have this taken away from me. Yeah. So I was like, oh, wait, no, I don't want to lose this, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, talk to me about how you developed through high school because anyone who knows me, knows that I just how firmly I believe that everyone's development in high school is both incredibly different and crucial. Super important. Yeah, for sure. Um, When I think back to high school, um, I went to a small private Catholic all girls school, um, which it's there. The all boys school is right across the street. So it's not even like it's not even that crazy. But um, it was very you know, both the boys and the girls school were very sports oriented. The boys school was De La Salle, um, huge football program across the country. Like everyone just loved sports there. 
Um, and I felt really, really supported by my high school. Um, and when I think back to when I think back to it, I feel like my high school, the time that I was in high school was just so much national team experience. Like it was like every two weeks I was gone for two weeks and then I'd come back for a little bit and then be gone for, for two weeks again. Um, and that was, that was great for me. I loved it. I loved being on the go. Um, and also I felt so supported by my high school, you know, with academics and all that, which was a really big factor. I feel really lucky that I was in an environment like that. And then as far as playing high school soccer, um, there's a bit of controversy, I feel like, around playing high school soccer, especially here in California. I know with like the academy teams, um, they don't allow you to play on your high school team during, you know, during that off season and stuff. They just want you to play club year round. And I don't know, I loved playing for my high school team. It's in the in the Bay Area where I live, it's it's still really good soccer, um, but it's it's different soccer. You know, it's not as sophisticated. It's more raw. You're with older girls now. And it was just fun. Like, it was really fun. So, um, yeah, when I think back to my high school days, I feel like it was just like go, go, go kind of all the time. Um, and I think for me, one of the most important things about that was just that I was in a consistent routine you know um and I remember being so like stressed and exhausted all the time in high school but I feel like that routine is really kind of what just set me up for success if that makes sense you know like it was just a part of part of what I was gonna do and it became natural it became enjoyable um and yeah, definitely, definitely helped me be successful at the next levels. Did you start on varsity right away or did you, you play on the freshman team? I mean, how did it all start for you? So I made varsity as a freshman, but um, I played under Kaylee Collins, the girl I was talking about earlier, um, who was a senior and I was a freshman. So I feel like my freshman year, I, I didn't really get in much unless we were winning by a lot. Um, and then they'd put me in just first just for fun, I guess. (laughs) But um, that was that was just a really I think that was a great way for me to, you know, kind of dip my toes in the water, being a freshman on varsity and having this incredible senior to look up to, um, and really like learn the ropes from her. I think it was it was the perfect um, initiation to varsity for me. And that's an interesting point for people who might be listening is, you know, when you, if on, you know, the rare occasion that you make varsity as a freshman, because it's not common, you have a, you have two ways that you can look at it. One, why am I not playing? Because apparently I'm good enough to make varsity. Or two, here I have this great opportunity to learn from a great goalkeeper who's ahead of me. And that's the route that you took. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, she was just, in, in my young freshman eyes. I just she was so amazing. You know, I was just happy to be there and getting challenged every day. And so it was just a total, it was a total positive experience for me. And I feel like, yeah, I made the choice to look at it that way instead of, you know, sitting on, sitting on the bench sad about not playing, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, at what point would you say, especially from a goalkeeping standpoint or the, not what point I, I should say, let me rephrase. What would you say from a goalkeeping standpoint are the benefits of playing club soccer? Because a lot of parents will see just how unfortunately expensive it can be and mm. will decide that it just might not be worth it. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as development goes, I just, it's inc- incredible. I feel like not only do you get a really strong sense of community, um, and team which I think is really important for young people like I don't know I remember going to I played for the club Mustang in California and I just I remember going to the Mustang soccer complex and it was just like it was my home you know like I was with my teammates I was getting out of you know whatever else I was dealing with in high school like it was such a safe fun place where I was just out there on the field getting challenged working hard 
And I forgot about the rest of the world for a few hours. Um, And that was a super important thing. And I think it's really important for young people to have that outlet. Um, But as far as developing, I mean, I just think the level is is higher than, say, high school. Um, And then there's the other part of it, which is the exposure that it that it brings you, um, you know, playing at ECNL events or academy events. Um, that was really how I got all of my exposure for national team and for, uh, for college recruiting. And I don't know, I don't, I don't know the alternative to that. I think that's definitely the way to go if you're trying to play college soccer. That's a massive point you just brought up and it was going to lead me into my next point, which is, I mean, a lot of high schools don't have goalkeeper coaches and it's not, it's not the fact that they don't want to, it's just the fact that they might not be available or they're just not a goalkeeper coach that happens to be who wants to work at the high school as a coach. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, you get to a club and that's probably going to be once or twice a week, pretty regularly, you're going to get work with a goalkeeper coach. Mm-hmm. You're going to get to play in front of college coaches. You're going to get that atmosphere of people that are there because they want to be playing soccer at a higher level. Yeah. And that's, that's the benefit. Is it, is it a little bit more expensive? Yeah. But that's, you know, and and it's the unfortunate part of soccer in in the United States right now. That's a whole other podcast, but that's the benefit right there. 100%. And so, I mean, at this point you mentioned it and we're at the point where we're talking about your national team career uh, for, for a minute here. But I mean, talk to me about how you get, called up to the national how do you find out that you're getting called up to the national team you get an email in your inbox you get an email you get an email that says it's all official with the u.s soccer logos and everything and it's like you've been selected to come to this camp here are the dates here's the location can you go yes or no uh, let us know and then you'll fill out your equipment sheet and we'll send you your tickets and you're on your way <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of a bummer i'm not gonna lie <laughs> were you expecting some grand reveal i was expecting and here's how i pictured in my head tell me if i'm crazy for me you know remember those infomercials where they would walk up to your house with the giant with the camera and the giant check and the balloons <laughs> saying that you won ten thousand dollars a week for uh-huh. the rest of your life uh-huh. it's not like that no you're crazy it's not like that <laughs> you know U.S. soccer needs to step up its game because <laughs> if if it was if it was an email, I'd say no. But um, no, I'm kidding. If, if you know if the if the national team's listening, I haven't played in three and a half years, but I'd be happy to play. For you guys. <laughs> so you get you get an email for the to play for the U17 women's national team. You end up being named captain for the 2018 U17 World Cup in Uruguay. Mm-hmm what was that like I mean I don't have a better question for you what was that like I mean I think the best way to answer that is to kind of look at the journey that that was the national team that was starting on it like I like I mentioned a little earlier like honestly going into camp at first was like kind of mortifying like it was so stressful you didn't know anyone there like the girls were clicky like you just had no it was a completely different world and you know eventually with camp after camp after camp you just start to gradually get more comfortable you start making friends here there start sitting with people at at lunch and at dinner and it gets more comfortable and I think um for me it was that was a big part of it was like finding kind of where I belonged on the team and that was something that you know made me really proud of myself that I was able to find my way find my role and then completely accept it as a leader on the national team Um, that's something that I'm really, really proud of. Um, and I remember getting named captain, our head coach, Mark Carr called me, Maya Doms and Kennedy Wesley, who both play at Stanford now, um, called us three into the room and he was like, Hey, you guys have been voted team captains by the team and coaching staff for the, for the world cup. And, 
I mean, I was honored to be sharing it next next to two amazing individuals, but it was just a really proud moment and I was really excited for it. And I think that leadership role is something that's always kind of come naturally to me and a place that I like to be. So it was a really cool experience. Yeah, I, I, that's another moment I won't ever forget. Talk to, That's incredible. I mean, talk to me a little bit about your recruiting process as a whole and just how you ended up at UC Berkeley. Because I mean, according to Top Drawer Soccer, you were the top ranked, you were the top ranked goalkeeper in your class. I, I don't even know if I'd be in the top thousand, just for the <laughs> record. But I mean, how'd you end up at Cal? Another great question. Um, so I think the recruiting process started for me probably like my freshman year of high school. Um, that's kind of when it got started for my team. We had a really, um, I had a great club team. I want to say 70, 80% of the girls on my team are playing at D1 schools now. Um, just really successful. And um, I, yeah, I want to say it started my freshman year. That's kind of when it all start all started going for all of us on the team. Um and I definitely put a lot of work in myself. Like my dad and I, I remember drafting emails, thinking about which schools I wanted to reach out to and kind of getting that preliminary like, hey, this is me. Um, this is my upcoming schedule. I'm going to be at this showcase or whatever. Um, and I, oh my gosh, I sent so many emails. I had like 500 million coaches in my phone, like coach, da, 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 coach, blah, 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 coach. Da, da, da. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it was, it was a lot of like self-advocacy at first. Um, and then I think it was really cool because my team was having so much success and I was surrounded by a lot of talent that, you know, it was kind of a, a compounding effect. Like if one coach was there for this girl, then, a few other coaches were going to come watch the team and then they'd see five other girls that were really special. And so we got a lot of exposure, um, my team, and I feel really lucky for that. But yeah, I got, I got recruited pretty heavily my, my freshman and sophomore year. And I remember actually at first I was like, there's no way I'm going to Cal. I grew up like 30 minutes away from Cal. So I was like, there's no way I'm going to Cal. Like I've grown up with Cal my whole life. I want to get out of here. I'm going (laughs) far away to do whatever. Um, And my, my dream school at first um, with really no basis was Notre Dame thought that that's where I wanted to be. Um, And so got recruited by them, went to a few camps, went out and visited And it was just like, it was just trying to make, it was trying to make something fit that it just, it wasn't the right fit, you know? Um, So after a while I was like, hmm, why have I not even considered Cal Berkeley? Like, why have I not even considered the number one public school in the country that's right in my backyard and wants me? Like, I haven't even thought about this. Um, And I also, I had known the Cal coaches from when I was younger, like I mentioned earlier. And so I was just, at first I was like, no, there's no way. And then, I don't know, something dawned on me. And I was like, why have I not even considered this? Like, what's going on? So I I finally kind of had a little mindset shift. Like, let's seriously look into Cal um, and see if it fits. And I I remember uh, one of the many tours or visits I took of Cal I was at a football game and I was walking walking around the stadium with my head coach Neil McGuire and he just like I was just in awe I was like I really feel like this is where I belong right and he looked at me and he's like do do you want to go here like is it are you feeling it and I was like yeah I'm feeling it (laughs) and um I remember I remember talking to my dad and it was a really easy decision for me when I noticed the way that I was talking to my dad about Cal um, versus other schools that were trying to recruit me. Like there was a smile on my face. It was excitement. It was nervous. It was all these, all these like good 
exciting things bubbling up inside me. And once I realized that, hey, I'm talking about being a bear with a huge smile on my face, I think that's a good sign. Um, so then I, I committed there my sophomore year, um, which seems really early now looking back on it. And I just I feel like I'm somebody who got lucky where I committed to a school very early and it's still a great fit. And I think that's something that, you know, might kind of need to be altered as we as we move on, because, you know, you change a lot from your sophomore year to your freshman year of college. And um, yeah, I think people need to really, really consider that it, the school they commit to when they're that young might not be what they want when they're older. You said it perfectly. And there is a lot to unpack there. But I mean, you get to college and you do what incredibly few freshmen do, which is start every game. I mean, how are you able to make that physical and mental leap right away? Because a lot of kids, when they get to college, just don't do that. I'm sure you can attest. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, the biggest thing that helped me make that transition easier was my experience with the national team. Like, I felt like I already knew how to conduct myself in a professional manner. I already knew what I had to do for treatment and everything. But aside from that, because not everyone's going to have national team experience before they go into college, I think I just had a mindset of like, I was not expecting anything, but I was going to give it my all and I was going to prove myself. Um, and it started for me preparing that summer. Like I remember my mindset going into my freshman year was just, I'm going to be the fittest I can be. I'm going to pass the fitness test. Like that's in my control, everything in my control. I'm going to make sure that I have it down. And so when I get there, you know, wherever the chips fall, like I'll be okay with that. Um, because I know, like, I know I'm doing everything in my power that I can. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was really cool starting as a freshman. It was, it was nerve wracking, but I think it was also a big testament to that work ethic and also just being confident in myself that, okay, I'm here and I can do this. At the same time, you know, as a student, you decide you want to study psychology, which is at the forefront of just about everything right now, especially within college athletics. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as someone who's both, you know, a college and international goalkeeper and who's currently working to get their degree in psychology, what do you see that's that's currently available and, and working for college athletes versus what do you see that's either lacking or needs to change in terms of how college athletics should approach mental health? Yeah, that's a big time question, especially with the climate right now within collegiate athletics. Um, but I mean, I think it is going to require a big paradigm shift as a whole about mental illness, about, you know, what it means to be human and struggle and be vulnerable. Um, and that is something that is outside of you know, outside of just collegiate sports. Um, but within the sports world, I feel like the resources are there. I really do. At least at Cal, I feel like they're there um, as far as getting help with your mental health. But it's something, I think something needs to change about getting people to take advantage of those resources. Um and I'm not I'm not sure if that's a if that comes from there being some sort of stigma around mental health or if it comes from people not knowing if they need it. Um, but I, I think it takes a lot of courage, you know, to be real and be honest and have the conversation that, yeah, maybe I, I need some help with this, even if it's something small. Like I'm a huge believer that everyone should have a therapist and everyone should have a, a sounding board. 100%. But, yeah. And so I just, I feel like a big part of it all is kind of just taking the intensity out of it all. Like, yeah, it's, it's okay. We're, we're all just, we all have this, we all go through this. Um, and I think 
you know, as athletes, like we're, we're going to have to be mentally tougher than the average human. Um, and as goalkeepers, especially we're going to have to, you know, have a, have a tough mindset, but that doesn't mean that, you know, that, that doesn't mean that you don't need help and that you can't talk to somebody. And I think that's why it's so telling, you know, the epidemic of mental illness, depression, suicide within the collegiate sports world, because we are such mentally strong individuals, but something's, you know, something's lacking there. So I definitely think, um, you know, there's not going to be a one size fits all or an easy solution, but I think kind of taking the intensity out of it all. And if people can just start coming from a place of understanding that we're human, we struggle, it's cool, like that, that happens. Um, And if you need help, like, let's get you help. Let's have you talk to someone. Um, I just, I think it's going to require that kind of mindset shift about what it means to be real and open and vulnerable. All, all phenomenal points. And you kind of beat me to the, the punch with this next point that I wanted to make. And it's that goalkeepers, we already go through a tremendous amount of mental hurdles and obstacles, whether that be from the outside looking in or, or most of it, you know, primarily from our own minds. I mean, what are some mental hurdles that goalkeepers go through on a regular basis that maybe most fans might not realize? And, and what are your best strategies for handling them? Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like if you're not a goalkeeper, unfortunately, there's no way you can fully understand what it's like to be one. We we really are a rare breed. Um, but, you know, a lot of a lot of being a keeper is, you know, you're isolated. You're kind of on an island. You're in a you're in a literal different color than everyone else out there. Um, but. I feel like one of the biggest mental hurdles that goalkeepers have to deal with is just being in a constant state of vulnerability in which you must succeed. Like there's no, there's no second chance, you know? Um, And that's a lot of pressure. It really is in a, in a spot that you have to somehow find comfort in and confidence in. And that's a challenge. I mean, I'm challenged with it still every single day. Um, And I think something that goes along with that is I I think most goalkeepers are extremely hard on themselves. And I think most of us are perfectionists. Um, And that's something I'm currently dealing with is just how, how can I kind of flip the narrative about myself when something doesn't go perfectly or even if I fail like how how do I flip that narrative in an efficient way that I can continue being successful because I think we all know once you get in that negative headspace it's kind of a downward spiral from there so I I think it's it's a lot about being able to find the confidence in that vulnerable space which is really tough and it's a challenge but it's so rewarding, you know, when you, when you're kind of able to thrive in that, in that uncomfortable spot. Oh, the payoff is, is, is incredible. And it's one of those things where people don't realize how hyper-focused we have to be for 90 plus minutes. Too. Oh they, yeah. They, I don't think they realize just how exhausting that actually can be. And, and the only way I can really liken it to is after, you know, how you're so exhausted after driving for two and a half hours. Totally, totally. It's like, what, wait, why am I so exhausted? I didn't, you know, I didn't really do anything necessarily, but I'm so tired. It's like, well, you were hyper-focused on the road for two and a half hours, making sure you didn't crash. Yeah, So I kind of, I kind of think about goalkeeping um, through a, through a psych lens. In one of my classes, we, we really like discussed in depth the fight or flight response and how your body is, Uh, what your body's doing when you're in that stressful spot and like we are just in a constant like survival mode out there and so I think after a game like yeah you're gonna be exhausted you know you're literally you are fighting for your life the whole time because if you make one mistake you know it, it it looks like it's on you and that's that's a lot of pressure so you're gonna do everything in your power not to 
have that happen and it's exhausting totally and just yeah mentally you're just drained after a game I totally get that I've never heard the driving example but that is a really good analogy I've had a few years to think about it (laughs) so this is the point in the podcast where we start to list off the accolades of whomever I'm interviewing so to those of you listening please don't hold your breath because you'll probably pass out by the end of this list (laughs) so we're gonna go from most recent to the start of your college career so, third team, all Pac-12, co-side all academic, all district, second team, second team, all Pac-12, co-side academic, all district, two-time Pac-12, all academic honor roll, Pac-12 goalkeeper of the year, Pac-12 freshman of the year, second team, all American, first team, all Pacific, all te- uh, first team, all region, first team, all Pac-12, four-time Pac-12 goalkeeper of the week, top drawer soccer, national freshman of the year, and on top of that, you also won the CONCACAF Golden golden glove for the women's national team in 2018 i'm gonna remind everyone that your college career isn't even over yet (laughs) but what are your biggest motivators to continue pushing and continuing to grow because i've seen it in a lot of young college players not even goalkeepers alone but a lot of young college players who might be named to an all rookie team or even just a conference rookie of the week award and will stop pushing because their ego gets inflated yeah totally that's that's a really big thing that you see happen it's super common but I think for me right now what's motivating me is it's like I'm really I feel like in competition with myself like all the time and like yeah you just listed all those amazing awards like I feel so lucky to have been named to those teams and whatnot but like I feel like my last my last season and then the COVID you know, the COVID season before that, I, I feel like it was just not, you know, I wasn't playing at my best. I, it wasn't my best season. I wasn't in tip top performing shape. It just wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't clicking for me all the way. And obviously that's frustrating, but for me going into this next fall, um, and having this this spring behind me and the summer ahead of me, that's kind of my motivator is like, I'm, I'm not going to feel that way. I'm not going to feel like I wasn't playing my best. I'm not going to feel like I let my team down in any of those games. Like I'm getting back to where I know I can be. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that's what's really motivating me right now is like, let's be better than how we were last season. You know, even though, yeah, the accolades, whatever, they can say whatever they say but um I think you know yourself best and you know when you're pushing and when you're playing at your hardest um and when you're really reaching that standard that you've set for yourself um and so I think I'm really just I'm motivated to get back to that standard so you guys heard it here first that is not her at her best um that's terrifying so I mean, you and I both know what it takes to make it to the college level. But I mean, in your opinion, what is going to make or break a college, a goalkeeper's college career? And what I mean by that is what qualities of a goalkeeper are necessary to succeed and flourish versus what qualities have you seen that are going to stunt your development or even cut your college career short? Because we see it happen all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, specifically with goalkeeping you know, with technical elements of goalkeeping, even tactical elements of goalkeeping, I think the ability to own your box and be a beast in there and, and, you know, instill fear in the other team about coming into the box, especially in the women's game, because set pieces are so crucial. You know, they, they win and lose games all the time. I have been on the the bad end of that many a time and um I I really think a huge part that young girl you know young female goalkeepers can develop is how to own your box not only vocally but physically dominate your box extend your range don't be afraid to take some people out um and just and really own your space and that's something that I've had to really improve on um these last few years and it's something you know it's it's not always comfortable but it's it changes the game completely changes the game and then I think another big point um is that that often you know sets 
the great goalkeepers apart from the good is is being able to be comfortable with your feet and um, being able to distribute and build out of the back accurately is a huge asset for a team. Um, and it completely changes the way that the opposing team has to has to play against you. Um, so I think those would be my my two biggest things that can really set goalkeepers apart at the college level. I mean, that says it all. I mean, your college career, you have one more year left. And currently, you sit in the top five of Cal's all-time save list with 200 on the dot. And you just, you know, you were just also playing with the U-20 women's national team. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but what's what's next for you after college? <laughs> oh, I get this question all the time. Um, you got it one more time. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, you know, for me right now, I'm definitely – considering playing professionally after college I'm gonna take my extra season of eligibility uh from the COVID year so I'll be at Cal one extra semester um and then from there you know I mean right now where I'm where I'm sitting school is my number one priority like I'm as it should be yeah yeah, I'm I'm graduating I'm getting my degree that's my number one priority but I'm definitely considering you know continuing on with my soccer career whether that's in the United States or abroad Um, but I just I haven't come to any concrete conclusions about it yet because I I don't know how I'm going to be feeling at that point when I'm ready to go off into the real world you know so definitely definitely an option and a consideration um, that I feel really lucky to even be able to consider that you know Um, but it's, yeah, I'm going to cross that bridge when I have to, but I can only keep saying that for so long, you know? Um, so it's definitely something I think a lot about, um, but it's, these are, these are not bad problems to have, you know? So I feel really lucky that I can even think about playing pro afterwards. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I thought about it too, but then it, that thought it was, it was a really, really brief thought it came and it came and left my head. <laughs> but Angelina, I want to thank you so much for taking the time and hopping on the podcast today. Oh, thank you, Carter. I've had an awesome time speaking with you. Absolutely, guys. This has been yet another episode of Just for Keeps, the podcast all about goalkeepers. Thank you so much again to Angelina Anderson for coming on. I have been your host, Carter Hockman. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Just for Keeps, 